New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. It is only through a change in human consciousness that the world will be transformed. The personal and the planetary are connected. As we expand our awareness of mind, body, psyche, and spirit, and bring that awareness actively into the world, so also will the world be changed. This is our quest as we explore new dimensions. Postmodern culture often considers only the monetary aspect of aging. Our need for financial and physical security is certainly important. However, what about our emotional and spiritual lives? Must we simply drift into aging without conscious intention, or may we strive to model life-sustaining values with wisdom and compassion, lending our energy to heal our wounded planet? What is conscious elderhood? How do we deal with fears around aging? How may we find fulfillment and dignity as we age? If we agree that growing into the role of elder is a good thing, then what will it look like in our modern world? These questions and more will serve as the focus of our dialogue today with Ron Pevney. Ron Pevney is the founder and director of the Colorado-based Center for Conscious Eldering. He's a certified saging leader with Saging International and conducts workshops and retreats across America. Ron Pevney is the author of Conscious Living, Conscious Aging, Embrace and Savor Your Next Chapter. Join us for the next hour as we explore a passionate engagement with life and the gifts of aging with our guest, Ron Pevney. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I'll be your host. Welcome to New Dimensions. Ron, welcome. Thank you, Justine. I feel deeply honored to be able to talk with you on New Dimensions. Oh, thank you. I'm honored to have you, truly. And um, I know that your life's work has to do with a conscious retirement age, this conscious eldering, this this other, this maybe last chapter of our lives. And uh, before we go into that, I'd love for you to talk about how in our culture, in society, we look at a good retirement is like having a lot of leisure, uh, maybe being able to have enough money to travel and being with our grandchildren. All of this is really fine and good. But you hold that they, we can find more fulfillment. There's something else going on, and you call it conscious eldering. And before we actually talk about what that really is, I would love you to share with us what inspired you to get into this work in the first place. Well, I learned a long time ago, probably back in 1979, that 
my calling, the work that brought me most alive and where I could best share my gifts was in helping people move through life transitions. And way back then, I had the incredible good fortune to be able to mentor with Stephen Foster and Meredith Little, who are recognized as the grandfather and grandmother of, of bringing recognition of the importance of rites of passage into, into our modern world. Um, and uh, I trained with them. I became one of the first contemporary Vision Quest guides. And for many years, my heart's work uh, was to help people move through transition using wilderness rites of passage. I would love for you to also, I know that you've worked with these wonderful mentors, uh, Stephen Foster and Meredith Little, but uh, there was a moment in your life that you experienced like um, a heart, a, a real heart, heart arrhythmia, was it? Uh, do, you, do you recall that? That was one of the most pivotal learning and growth experiences of my whole life. And that happened about 10 or 11 years ago. I had begun to offer uh, a rite of passage type of program with two wise elders, Wes Burwell and Ann Roberts, wiser and more elder than me. And the three of us were offering uh, uh, a program to help somehow prepare people for a journey into what we view as a true elderhood. But I was feeling like an imposter. I was feeling like, you know, what did I know about this? I was too young. I, I, I could speak things well, but it didn't feel like it, it was coming from the depths of experience. And so I offered a prayer. Please give me some experience that will show me or help me to feel that I truly understand what it is I'm teaching. And so my teaching comes from a depth in myself. And about that time, I got a response to that prayer, and that was a significant health crisis. And the health crisis involved uh, uh, some serious heart arrhythmias, and then the discovery that there was also a, uh, a significant tumor on one of my lungs. Um, it turned out that the tumor was not malignant. Uh, this whole experience, when I really thought for a while that I was near death, showed me so much about vulnerability and about fear and about uh, a sense of, uh, of unfinished business, a sense of a legacy that I felt that I had that had not been fulfilled. So many of those kind of things that are the dynamics that many people have to deal with and face as we age. I emerged from this uh, health crisis with a whole, I felt that it was my rite of passage. It was my initiation into truly being able to share the conscious eldering insights that uh, uh, it seems to be my calling to share at this point. What a gift that was. Wow. So, so I was like, be careful what you wish for in the prayer. But, but and you came out of that, you're well. It was uh, the, it was not, it, the tumor, a tumor was in yeah, your yeah. lung and it was benign and, and yeah, all, that, it turned out well, except that you are now a different person. That's right. But I'll add one more piece to the story, if I may. Um, after the tumor was removed, uh, the doctors thought, well, the heart arrhythmias maybe were somehow related to it and it uh, uh, all would be well with the arrhythmias too. And that wasn't the case. 
the arrhythmias went on. It was a very frightening time for me. And I remember one night going to bed and going into some some kind of state, sleep, trance, I don't know what it was. And I felt this huge darkness descending on me. I could just see this. It felt like death itself. And that was the moment of, I think, the most complete surrender I've ever experienced in my life. I basically called out and said, God, great spirit, there's nothing else I can do. If you've got a purpose for me, if, if you've got a calling, uh, please somehow heal me and let me know that. And in that moment, I felt something explode out of me. It felt like an energetic release. And I woke up with a start knowing that some kind of huge healing had happened. And uh, that was the end of the heart arrhythmias. And so for me, that was this incredible affirmation that, Ron, you do have a calling. I am with you. It's going to take a lot of surrender, um, uh, just like you surrendered right now, in order for you to fulfill this calling. So on so many levels, this was one of the pivotal experiences of, of my life. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And, and so I had asked earlier, um, you used the term conscious eldering. What does that mean to you? Can you describe that for us a bit? To me, conscious eldering is an understanding and a commitment to a way of growing older, a way of aging, in which we consciously strive to grow ourselves into the kind of elder that we all have the potential to be. I strongly believe that even though our culture does not honor elderhood, doesn't know what to do with older adults, we've lost that that understanding that's been part of humanity forever about the, the role of elder, I believe that there is an archetypal elder that wants to emerge in all of us as we get to a certain point in life past midlife adulthood. It wants to emerge. It tries to emerge. We have the opportunity, though, to consciously support its emergence and to grow into elderhood. An elderhood that in the world we live in isn't clearly defined by any means. You don't have a whole lot of guidebooks on what it is to be an elder, but it is a kind of elderhood that is part of our humanity and that our world urgently needs in, in these difficult times that we're in now. We need the wisdom and the heart and the wholeness of true elders, and we can consciously support that unfolding in ourselves, and that's what conscious eldering is. I know you mentioned in your work uh, how there are tens of thousands of people who are now in their 60s, 70s, 80s, and more who are full of experience, life experience and wisdom, and this is a wonderful resource we need now in these times. And before we talk about that, I would love for you to, to read something from your book. It's a story uh, that I know our listeners have heard before, but maybe not quite in this context. So if you would read about uh, the Cherokee story of which wolf to feed um, and something that you mentioned in your book. 
I'd be happy to. A passionate woman in her early 60s, feeling she was finally emerging from a difficult passage that had led her out of midlife adulthood, approached a wise, wrinkled, white-haired elder widely recognized in the community as an exemplar of wisdom. The young emerging elder said to the wise elder, I have within me a beautiful vision, or at least parts of a vision, of becoming like you. I have an inspiring sense of how I can use my best qualities, skills, and gifts to serve our community and be personally fulfilled as I age. I'm having some wonderful experiences of spiritual connection. My creativity seems to be coming to life again. I'm feeling more peace, joy, and optimism than I have in a long time. However, I'm also very aware of a whole other side to me. I often feel fear. Sometimes it is fear that I'm just deluding myself about conscious elderhood and that growing old is really just a drag. Sometimes it's fear that no matter what visions I have, there's no way I can achieve them in the real world that I live in. Sometimes it's just a free-floating fear of the world and my life in the future. And I'm also aware that I have so many habits that I can't seem to change that seem to numb me out. My passion and optimism seem to fade so easily, and I don't know why. My heart feels open one day, close the next. It seems there are two selves within me at war with each other. You're a wise elder. Please tell me, which one will win? The elder looked into her eyes with compassion and responded, The one you feed. I'm here with Ron Pevney. He's the author of Conscious Living, Conscious Aging. Embrace and savor your next chapter. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Ron Pevney, and he is the author of Conscious Living, Conscious Aging, Embrace and Savor Your Next Chapter. And he is also the founder of the Center for Conscious Eldering. And if you want to know more about his work, you can go to his website, centerforconsciouseldering.com, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website. NewDimensions.org. By the way, he spells his last name Pevney, P-E-V as in Victor, N-Y, Pevney. Ron, uh, thank you so much for reading that beautiful passage in your book. And it, it really, I think, exemplifies 
the challenge we have in going forward in our lives into the next chapter. So, so what can you tell us about conscious eldering and how, how we can engage into that next chapter? I think it's so important, first of all, to even recognize that there are possibilities for a next chapter. And I think what in the world that we live in and the culture that we live in, what we see is so many of us not having any awareness that there really are possibilities for ongoing growth and transformation as we age to become true elders. Uh, our society certain, certainly doesn't give us any messages or have a paradigm for aging that shows that as even a possibility uh, for many people. And so therefore, many people think that the best we can hope for as we age is to continue to be who we have been, you know, throughout midlife, to continue to try to hold on to, to what has been meaningful to us, uh, to stay as active as we possibly can. And there's a certain kind of identity that we're, we're identifying with there, uh, with that, that very active midlife uh, right. person. Yeah, it, it's an identity that may very well have, have served us well in midlife. But the reality is that in terms of the way our psyches, our inner selves want to unfold and grow, that's not an identity that we can hold on to and really have fulfillment and reach anywhere near our potential as we get older and older. I think when we look at certain depictions of, of or ads, let's say, that really encourage us to keep on doing what we've been doing, to keep looking younger, to keep active, to keep, uh, to keep up a certain pace. And I, I guess that that's fine, but what, what's the backside of that? I think the backside of that is that, for one thing, as we get older, we're not going to be able to keep up the pace. And if we keep trying and trying, though, because that's who we know ourselves to be, all we're going to do is wear ourselves out and yet find that uh, our lives are unsatisfactory efforts to remain who we used to be, and, and we just can't do it anymore. Another backside or downside of that is that if we are... are are firmly holding on to that identity, then there is not room for us to recognize and support the new identity, the, the elderhood in us that wants to emerge. And that identity requires what I call the, the inner work of conscious eldering. That requires more and more of an inner focus reflecting on our lives, deepening our spirituality, letting go of that which needs to be let go so we can move into a new chapter, uh, a whole new way of viewing ourselves. 
And if we are firmly attached to a midlife identity, then there just isn't room for us to do this inner work to support the kind of elderhood that wants to emerge. And some of it may begin to emerge in, in spite of us just because there is a strong call within us human beings to become more inward as we age. But uh, for a lot of us, it may not emerge or it may certainly not reach its potential because we're not supporting it and even recognizing it. Now, there's a kind of paradox that you're talking about because it's you're talking about an inward search, and yet you're not talking about how we go into isolation in our lives. It's, it's not a lonely search, I don't believe. No, it... it, it. Well, well, obviously, I think the inner journey has its aspects of, of being uniquely personal. But it is a search that needs the support of community. It needs the support of others in order to really unfold. I mean, we are social beings. We're beings that uh, see ourselves reflected in each other. We need the support of kindred spirits um, because the, the forces that, that keep pushing us to be unconscious are so strong and it's so our easy. Own, own personal habits. Yeah, yeah. We've internalized so much of that that without having a community of kindred spirits, doesn't have to be large, but, but that makes all the difference in the world. Exactly. Now, in our culture, though, it, let's just take one example housing in our culture that we have very few options about how to to live we we can go into age and go into a nursing home or go into a senior housing maybe or to go into um if we're lucky enough to have enough finances that we live in our own homes and able to do that but that's an isolation so how do we overcome that sense of isolation? Well, I think there's several ways. And one really encouraging um, dynamic I see happening is that there is a, a proliferation now of, uh, of models and efforts to bring people together in community as they age. And one of them is the whole co-housing movement Another is the Beacon Hill Village model. You know, both models that I encourage our listeners to explore. Um, there are a lot of different kinds of creative uh, living arrangements that can bring people together. I can give a little bit of example. I live in senior housing. Uh -huh. So I, I have some experience of, of the variety of people there. And somehow there have been a, a few of us that have gotten together who are are wanting to support one another and and be effective in the world in some way to make a contribution to our community and and to the world and so we meet regularly mm. and and we talk about things that that we care about and in fact we just did a whole list what do we most value? And we did a whole list of one, two, three, and everybody put in their particular values. And we found that we, there are certain things that we mm. really value. And 
it's been wonderful to feel that support for each other. And one of our members has gone through a health crisis recently, and so we're all there to help with that. Um, so is it, that's kind of what you're talking about, isn't it? Yeah. Um, there are various, various models now. Uh, senior, various kinds of, of senior housing communities, you know, villages and, and co-housing and things that by their very nature, they, uh, they promote people being with each other and cooperating. But within that, then there's an increasing number of people who feel called to, to conscious eldering, to the spiritual exploration that, that are gathering together, as you're describing, Justine, uh, you know, whether they're living in, in, in the kind of community you are or whether they're just living in their own homes, there are more and more um, uh, elder wisdom circles, um, which is something that uh, uh, the organization Saging International is strongly promoting and teaching people how to, uh, how to form. And more and more people just getting together to explore what does aging mean to me? What are the challenges? What are the possibilities? How can we support each other? So regardless of where you live, if there's a commitment to finding a community of, of supportive souls, then 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 we can find it. And if we can't find it, we go and we create it. But just recognizing how essential that is for our well-being, for many, is a motivator to get out and to, and to act. Now, I'm wondering, too, Ron, in, in that eldering, there's also a need, I guess, if you say that there's wisdom within this group, there's experience within this group, and, and if they... If this group of people come together and they're feeling um, that they're working on their inner life, they continue to learn and to unfold, how, how can, what do you see about reaching back or out across to younger people, to a younger generation? There, there's very little uh, activity going that that meeting place of these two groups of people. Can, can you talk about I, that? I think that is absolutely critical. And in fact, uh, in conferences I go to, workshops and retreats I lead, that subject is always coming to the forefront. That conscious eldering, it, it, in some ways it's a journey that only people you know, on that particular journey can understand. And so you need to support each other. But... By definition, and this is the way it's always been throughout human history as we know it, the role of elder has been intimately tied with service to the younger generations, with serving as a mentor, serving as a guide, you know, serving as, as a friend, serving as a model for wholeness and for, and for how to live life. And so the whole theme of intergenerational um, relationships is so important in, in conscious eldering now. I, I want to give an example in my own life and in the life of my partner, who is now passed on, Michael Toms, that um, we feel like we were mentored. When we first started off, we were in our early 30s, and we were mentored by some great, great elders 
our Buckminster Fuller, Bucky Fuller, mm. Joseph Campbell, to, ma to mention a couple. And these, these people were in their 80s at the time, and they have f helped form us and form this work that we that I'm doing and we're doing right now, these conversations. Uh, I'm so grateful to them. I'm here with Ron Pevney, and he's the author of Conscious Living, Conscious Aging, Embrace and Savor Your Next Chapter. And if you want to know more about his work, you can go to his website, centerforconsciouseldering.com, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Ron Pevney, and he's the author of Conscious Living, Conscious Aging. And we're talking about that intergenerational contact. Is there more that you can say about that, Ron? Uh, Justine, I'd like to give a, an example that has deeply inspired me since I've learned of it in the last year. And uh, I think it's reflective of something that's going on in many places. There's a man uh, in Boulder, Colorado, named Jack Williamson. And he has developed a series of programs that bring together younger people, you know, high school students, college students, with elders in the community. In fact, he's developed a course at the University of Colorado called Intergenerational Writing, and elders and young people are in the course together. And the purpose is to learn about each other's lives, to write about what they have learned, to work together to identify needs in the community, for social justice or some kind of a need, and together to spearhead, when possible, projects to help meet that need. And, and I had a chance to talk with some of these elders and with some of these youngers, as I like to call them, and they both realized that just working together in these kind of ways built bridges, it broke down stereotypes, it created a kind of mutual respect that, that, that just it, it blew them away. And one thing that they learned, and I think this is a really important point, yes, we as elders and emerging elders have a lot to share with others, but it's important to go into this not thinking, well, we are the fonts of wisdom. They, the youngers have so much to share with us. And when we uh, uh, approach our relationship in a mutually respectful way, the richness of the learning is so beautiful, so beautiful. That's beautiful, well said. So I, I hope it's encouraging for our listeners. I would love for you to say something. I know that you mentioned a, a mentor in, in your work, in your book, in your life, that uh, I rarely hear, but it's someone who in the life of New Dimensions has been pivotal, just pivotal in our work. And that is the work of Patricia's son, and you mention her in your book. I was so pleased to, to run across that. So many people have not even heard of her, and yet she's been instrumental in, in my life, in Michael's life, in the life of new dimensions. 
So can you say something about your work with Patricia? Patricia has been one of, if not the most important persons in my life in helping me to understand that I have gifts, what these gifts are, uh, and to gain the confidence to give them. And I first met Patricia, gosh, back in the uh, 70s when I was pursuing my master's studies at the California Institute of Integral Studies. And when I was with Patricia, I mean, she is a, as you know, she's a, an incredible visionary who can articulate a vision for what's possible for humans in a unique, beautiful way. But for me, more important than any of uh, the words she said was a certain energy that I felt when I was with her. And I remember I'd be on, on uh, uh, weekend workshops with her uh, here in California, and I would leave that workshop, and for two or three days, I would be in a state of consciousness that was different. I don't, uh, I, I could try to put words to it, I can't. It was different, but it was so profound. And when I was with others, because I was studying to become a, a, a therapist at the time, somehow, they experienced some of that from me. It was like transferred. And so... So it's like an energetic transfer. Yeah, and that's what I experienced. And, and it was a, a sense of such a deep love that that kept me going through some pretty dark times. Now, what was amazing is that I found when I started doing my work with Wilderness Vision Quest, with Rites of Passage, I found that in the retreats that I led... Lo and behold, that energy was there. And so somehow, what I found is that Patricia showed me what was possible to bring a group together and with a, a focus and an intentionality to enter into sacred space together. And at least in the work that I do, we enter into that space that Patricia showed me. And so what a gift, like she mirrored to me something that was also in me and that I can help others to experience. And I think that is the essence and the strength of the, the work that I do. Is this something that can come through me when I allow it and I help a group to, uh, to acknowledge and invite that space? You know, that, that reminds me of something that you mention in your work, and that's the um, unpredictable moments of grace. And, and it seems to me that was a moment of grace in your life. And so often we are so busy in our lives and or, or we're distracted in some way. We're, we're watching TV or we're doing something else. And, and it just, these moments of grace fly by and we don't notice them. What do you have to say about being able to notice these magical moments? I think that in order to notice the subtle but powerful things that happen in our lives, we need to have times in our lives when we're quieter, when the mind isn't racing, when we're not multitasking, engaging in a million things at once. Um, I strongly believe, and I think this is the foundation of, of my way of doing conscious eldering work, I strongly believe that the more time we give ourselves in the natural world being quiet, the more able we are to, to, 
to feel those subtle moments of grace, those subtle movements in us. You just can't do it when you're in cities where everything is human-created. And so I, I so strongly encourage people to spend quiet time in a focused, mindful way in nature. And the other thing that I think is so critical is gratitude. Because when we, when we adopt gratitude as a practice, then that opens us up to seeing the grace in everything that has happened that we might not otherwise see. It just passes by. So gratitude is absolutely critical. So even if we're physically in pain or, or mentally depressed, it, this, this practice of gratitude might be of help. Is that what you're saying? Yes, whatever our situation we are alive. We have the gift of life. We have the gift and the possibility of using every experience, the difficult ones as well as the joyous ones, to grow, to grow our souls. Even if our bodies are hurting, maybe our minds are hurting. I believe that the purpose of life, uh, what's possible for us is to grow our souls into a certain fullness, a certain wholeness. And Whatever is going on with us, as challenging as it is, gratitude helps us to see these events as catalysts toward this kind of growth. Uh, it helps us, I think, to see our lives from the soul's perspective and not just the perspective of our personalities. And so I think that the deeper we can grow our connection to spirit, the spirit in us, however we understand that, the easier it is to actually live with and experience gratitude because we're seeing the soul's eye view of our lives and not just the personality eyes, eye view of our lives. You know, Ron, that reminds me, I know that you give a, a lot of attention. There are, there are three different uh, phases in, in our lives that you talk about. There's, there's a, in, in coming into this elderhood, uh, there's severance, there's the neutral zone and reincorporation. Those are the ways that you hold it. But I want to talk about that neutral zone because as we're coming out, we've talked earlier about midlife. As we're coming out of midlife, we are, you spent a lot of time talking about this neutral zone. And this is um, a very interesting and sometimes scary time. Can you talk about what do you mean about the neutral zone? When human beings go through significant transitions, in order for our psyches to make the transition from one life stage to another, who we were before to who we can become, there is a three-phase process. That's the, that's the essence of life transition. And all three phases, all three dynamics need to be honored so that we can fully make our way through the transition. This is something indigenous people have always known and rites of passage were embodiments of this. And you know, we've forgotten a lot of this in the world we live in. But the first phase requires us to take a look at who we have been, what has served us well that we want to carry forward, what needs to be let go, because you can't move forward, you can't transform into a, a new self carrying everything from the past. What needs to be healed 
So our energy won't be stuck in the past there and we can't move forward. And so the first phase is called severance and it really is letting go in a healthy, honoring way from who we have been. But then we enter a phase that I think our modern secular world totally does not understand. And that's called what I call the neutral zone. Some people call it liminal time. And that's an in-between time of, of lying fallow. Uh, we're not who we have been. We're not clear who we're becoming. But the seeds of possibility are there kind of gestating. But like you said, it, it, it can be a time of feeling lost. There aren't roadmaps. There aren't any clear markers. Uh, we can feel, God, we are stuck, for, stuck here forever. There's no hope. I don't know who I'm becoming. And yet if we use this neutral zone time well, we can really support it being the, the, the ground out of which some wonderful new beginnings and new clarity and new vision for our lives can emerge. You know, I want to, to, to support that uh, with a poem. And I know that in your work, you use many poems. Yes. And it's, that's, an, that's another, that reaches us on another different, on a different level. And I, I would love, if I may uh, read this poem, it's called The Map You Make Yourself by Jan Richardson. And she, she writes, You have looked at so many doors with longing, wondering if your life lay on the other side. For today, choose the door that opens to the inside. Travel the most ancient way of all, the path that leads you to the center of your life. No map, but the one you make yourself. No provision, but what you already carry and the grace that comes to those who walk the pilgrim's way. Speak this blessing as you set out and watch how your rhythm slows the cadence of the road, drawing you into the pace that is your own. Eat when hungry, rest when tired, listen to your dreaming, welcome detours as doors deeper in, pray for protection, ask for the guidance you need, offer gladness for the gifts that come and then let them go. Do not expect to return by the same road. Home is always by another way, and you will know it, not by the light that waits for you, but by the star that blazes inside you, telling you where you are is holy, and you are welcome here. The Map You Make Yourself by Jan Richardson. And I'm here with Ron Pevney, and he's the author of Conscious Living, Conscious Aging. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions.
I'm here with Ron Pevney, and he's the author of Conscious Living, Conscious Aging, Embrace and Savor Your Next Chapter. And Ron, we were talking about the neutral zone, and um, I'm wondering, you have said all along that we do not, we, we sort of drift into these these different chapters of our lives. We, you use the word drift, and I really recognize that, yeah, we just go sort of drift in and find ourselves, oh my goodness, I'm now in my 70s or I'm in my 80s. How did this happen? And we never mark it. And you have mentioned several times in the program that we we have a lack of rites of passage that actually mark things. You mentioned briefly about how to to look at, to sever from the past and to look at the gifts we bring and those that we need to discard. Um, so let's say something about rites of passage and how we can incorporate more of that in our lives. Our rites of passage have been an inherent part of, of how cultures throughout history have supported people in growing growing internally and then growing so that they can give their gifts as fully as possible to their communities. And you're right, we, we have lost most meaningful rites of passage in the world we live in now. I think the important thing to remember is that it wasn't just you know three days on the sacred mountain or a, a week-long vision quest or something that, that did the bulk of the work. The rite of passage ceremony was almost like an exclamation point or an amplification of a whole process of inner work that had been going on over a period of time. And then at a certain point, you have the rite of passage to really amplify it and give it social recognition and maybe push one over, over the edge into a new chapter. If in the, in the world we live in, uh, if we feel a call to age consciously, a call to elderhood, and we, we don't have rites of passage, then it's important for us to at least be doing the inner work that uh, is the kind of work that uh, helps lead us through the three different phases or dynamics of transition. And so by doing that inner work, and especially by doing it in the company of others, and having certain key moments when we are witnessed and supported by others, then we can at least tap into some of that rite of passage energy. You know, I'm thinking too, let us be brave enough to ask our group, whoever surrounds us, our, our friends, let us be brave enough to say, can you help me mark this? I've just gone through, let's say, a, a health crisis, and and I'm on the other side, and I need to mark this. Would you help me as my friend to to mark it? And, That's right. Is that something that you would encourage us to do? Oh, I very much would. And just one one example, a lot of people feel the need, and they recognize the importance of of. Of, of somehow ritualizing or ceremonializing letting go of some things that need to be let go. And one can go do it by oneself. One can dig a hole and put it into the ground or build a little fire. But when you have this witnessed by others, they are seeing your intention. They're adding their love and their support. And you have a whole energy to support 
you're letting go that you don't have if you just try to do it on your own. You know, I'm just thinking, uh, just in my apartment, I was just kind of rearranging some things, Ron, and and in the apartment, I have three very uh, tall, maybe th- maybe there are, there are three or four foot tall pieces of wood, carved wood, uh-huh. and and there are three of them, and two of them were given to Michael. And one was given to me, and and they were friends who took these. Like the one that was given to me, just to describe it, someone painted it a beautiful electric mm. blue, and then she hung all of these wonderful little chotskis on it. You know, little some feathers and and some uh, little symbols of different spiritual things, and just. It's just and bells and things and and you shake it and it makes this wonderful sound and I was just moving it and I was just remembering that this was given to me as a rite of passage into my sixtieth birthday. Oh, beautiful! And it was so beautiful to, to have that reminder of that group that witnessed with me that passage. What a, what a beautiful, supportive community you're fortunate to have. But we can make these up. I mean, we yeah. we we make these up. We make up rituals. We yes, just, we do. We just, do. Just be creative. Make a make a vision board for your friend. Just pull pictures out of a magazine and paste them on a little board and say, "This is this is what I hope for you," or "This is a reminder of where you are right now," or whatever. Yeah, let uh, our creativity flow. There's no one way to do it. Yeah. That's a beautiful example you shared there. And, and that's what you're talking about, that creative expression you've talked about. We, we, we need to have some solitude, especially in nature. You talk about creative expression. This is another one. Uh, you've talked about uh, our spiritual connection, deepening that. And then uh, there, there is another that you mention in, in your work that's really important, and that's dreams. Can you say something about dreams and how they are important, especially in this time? Yeah, whenever we are in times of significant transition, uh, when kind of the old psychic structures are, are starting to break down to create the space for a new self to emerge, it's at those times that our dream life can tend for most people to come most alive. And um, if all of a sudden you notice that you haven't been somebody who does much dreaming or remembers dreams, and all of a sudden the dreams are just coming real big, even if you don't remember them or know how to work with them, that is a sign that your psyche is saying, hey, pay attention. Some things are changing, some things need to change. Dreams can offer a lot of guidance. Uh, I think one of the most beautiful ways to work with dreams is, if if you're really committed to it, is to find a dream group. There are dream groups in all kinds of communities, so you're not just working from some book and trying to figure out what this means or that, but help each other to explore the dreams. Uh, and they're very personal. I mean, you, to yes. have a dictionary of dream interpretation is, is just not going to work. It, I've heard no, that. No, it doesn't. We each have our own inner inner set of symbols. Um, but to, to learn what we can from our dreams can be a wonder, wonderful gift to us and to get some help if we don't know 
really how to do it. And I know another another piece of advice that you give is to notice synchronicities. And I'm wondering, do you have any in advice? What what is a synchronicity? And do you have any advice of how we can have more, create more synchronicities in our lives? A synchronicity is a wonderful, wonderful gift. And I think somebody defines synchronicity as God's way of answering our prayers. There's all kinds of great definitions. But a, a synchronicity you know, is, is when our, our inner need, our inner dynamic is somehow mysteriously mirrored in outer, in outer events. Synchronicities are happening all the time. Um, but I think it is true that when we are in times of major transition, synchronicities tend to happen more strongly just like our, I said, our dream life becomes more vivid. They tend to be more powerful, almost like signs from the a psyche saying, hey, you are going through a big change and here are some guideposts to help you, uh, help you uh, recognize and understand what's going on. Do you, do you find that when, uh, when we notice and acknowledge a synchronicity that they happen more often? Yeah, I think I think that's the case. Just like when we notice and acknowledge our dreams, then we're more likely to to remember dreams. I think the same thing happens with synchronicity. And the thing about synchronicity is that um, you know when one happens, um, you can try to interpret it and you can get overly heady about it. But the, what I think is most valuable for most people is to look for those synchronistic events that somehow seem, seem to touch you. I mean, you just feel something, an energetic something inside that, hey, something meaningful happened here. And that is more valuable than, you know, uh, trying to analyze with your head every single thing that happens. So that would separate it from a coincidence, let's say, because you have some sort of inner response to it. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think that's a good way of putting it. An inner response where you just know that has some real meaning, as opposed to you're struggling with your head to try to think, is there some meaning between this and this? Well, when you, ha when you have a, a strong synchronicity, I mean, one that really is a guidepost in your life, I think most people know it. They, they know it. They feel that, whoa, there is, is something meaningful here. And when that happens, that's a time to really get reflective and write about it, spend, spend time kind of reliving it, feeling it, asking your inner guidance, however you receive guidance. Give me some some. Clarity, what did this mean? Because it feels meaningful to me. It's a sign to go within and try to understand what it's pointing to. Ron, I just want to thank you so much for being with us. We could go on and on. I just enjoyed this so much. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's been my pleasure, Justine. Thank you. I've been here with Ron Pevney, and he is the author of Conscious Living, Conscious Aging, Embracing and Savor, your next chapter. He also uh, is the founder of the Center for Conscious Eldering. And if you want to know more about his work, you can go to his website, centerforconsciouseldering.com, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. 
You've been listening to New Dimensions. This is program number 3617. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. You can also subscribe to our free weekly podcasts and find over a thousand hours of audio dialogues in our searchable archive. New Dimensions is produced by New Dimensions Radio in Santa Rosa, California, USA. Our executive producer is Justine Willis-Toms. Our post-production editor is Lou Judson. This program was recorded at Strawberry Hill Productions, a full-service podcast production studio in Novato, California. We sincerely thank all of you who have supported us by being members of Friends of New Dimensions as well as members of our affiliate stations. My name is Dan Drayson. On behalf of everyone at New Dimensions whose endeavors make this program possible, I'm wishing you well. New Dimensions Radio is an independent producer supported by listener contributions. To find out more about the program you've just heard, to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter and our New Dimensions and New Dimensions Cafe podcasts, and to access thousands of other programs in the New Dimensions archive, please visit our website, newdimensions.org. That's newdimensions.org. Or call us at 707-468-5215. That's 707-468-5215. Please join us next time as we explore New Dimensions. Thank you.